Hey, welcome in the Stinky Truth Podcast. Alongside Mike Evans, I am Mark Schlereth, uh, Scott the Huff, and Millennial Ben producing the show. Um, Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Superbook, America's best bet, Superbook. Um, awesome stuff over at Superbook, so check them out at Superbook.com. I, I, you know, it's it's really interesting because, you know, I know people are reaching out to Atlanta about that number four overall pick, and, you know, does that make sense, and... You know, I hear I just hear so much stuff that I think is bullshit. Like one of the things that that I hear all the time is, well, Trey Lance needs, you know, a year or two of grooming. Right. He needs to be like, hey, let me just tell you something. You walk into the NFL and you're a quarterback. Everybody could use a year or two of grooming. Right. I think every guy could use it. Hey, we we rave about what Josh Allen did last year. How about what he did his first two years? It wasn't great. Now, you saw the potential and the big play potential, but how much designed run did you see? How many things did you see happen in this evolution of Josh Allen? And, oh, by the way, Josh Allen went through and revamped his mechanics in the offseason and, you know, changed his throwing motion to a degree. Um, And so there's, there's a lot of things that go into this thing. And speaking of Trey Lance, you know, the oh, he needs a year or two of grooming. Really? Why? Because he played at a small school? He played at North Dakota? Oh, because well, he hasn't played many games? Well, Zach Wilson is, I mean, hey, Mac Jones, how many games has Mac Jones played? So I, I look at all this stuff, and I think there's a certain amount of hope is a strategy, so let's make sure that we support our own decision if we take Trey Lance. Trey Lance played— Okay, but Stink, let me jump in here right now. When, when you talk about Trey Lance, I can't recall another quarterback— who is projected to go this high in the top 10 where everybody seems to agree that he needs a year or two. Name me another quarterback that you could think of where people have talked about him in that that way. Right. I know well, I know that I've heard this for years. This this whole bullshit about well, we're not going to play the guy. We're going to groom him for a year. Blake Bortles, we're going to groom this guy for a year. We've got Chad Henney. Everything's going to be okay week 3. You're starting. Right? I mean, it happens every year. Like that's just the way it. That's just the way it goes because, you know, de- desperation and losing. You know, now we sell hope. Hey, we're not very good. We started off the season four and you know, uh, or zero and four, and so all of a sudden now we're going to roll out our quarterback who's not going to save anything. He's just going to expose warts. And so, he- yeah, but you're describing quarterbacks that are placeholders. That's a that's a term that all of us as football fans have gotten to know lately the placeholder quarterback five six weeks but the idea hey by week seven or eight this guy's starting that's a lot different than a guy who's going to be sitting for a year or two so the guy's not taking any reps in practice and all of a sudden he's he's practicing off of cards but all of a sudden because he practiced off of cards for five weeks now he's ready to play in the nfl do you understand how how much bullshit that sounds like like so so let me ask you this why why then is trey lance not ready but the other quarterbacks are Okay, I'll give you two reasons. Two reasons uh, why this is being said about Lance. One, the guy hasn't played football in like two years. What, he played one game this this past year? And then you add on top of that the the supposed relative lack of competition. Th- that explains it right there, right? Right. And I think, but I, I would say this. When you look at North Dakota State, unlike a lot of the other schools where quarterbacks are coming out of, North Dakota State plays a, a more traditional they're under center. They do drop back. They tie the drop backs to uh, you know the route progressions and combinations. I mean that to me, that to me is a far. It's far more representative of what you're going to see in the NFL 
than what a lot of these quarterbacks play in, shotgun all the time. I mean, so I, I just think, again, the built-in excuse aspect, and, and you make a good point about him not playing but one game. I, I get all that, I, I and I do, but ultimately – Nobody's ready to play at this level. Like, nobody's really, truly ready to take over. And this is what always blows me away is that, you know, that, that the fan bases of these franchises have, have been duped in to believing that the guy will cover all these wars and come in and save your franchise. And they all, ultimately, like, I look at Mahomes. Mahomes didn't play his first year. He rolled into a franchise because they moved up for him that was going 12-4 and with Alex Smith. You have built your team around him. I look at a guy like Josh Allen. Man, they had a bunch of really good drafts before he got there. And, you know, and then he had, I think, was Tyrod Taylor there while Josh Allen was there before he got to play? Like, the bottom line is you built a roster around the guy. I don't remember the exact. He was with Baker. Um, right, yeah, but Tyrod Taylor went to the playoffs with Buffalo yes. before they drafted before they draft, yeah. so uh, what I'm telling you is they were a playoff team yeah. with Tyrod freaking Taylor yeah. before he even got there. So they had built a roster around him. And listen, if you fall in love with a dude and you think this guy is going to be the savior, draft him and build around him. I'm all for you. But if your whole process is any quarterback, any quarterback will do, just take one because you got to have a franchise quarterback, and then we'll build around them, you're going to get your ass kicked. Well, let's face it. These NFL GMs, they are measured by how they're able to identify quarterbacks, and a lot of GMs lose their jobs because they can't figure out quarterbacks. A guy who actually is batting 1,000 when it comes to that is former Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov, who just got let go after a long, long run in Atlanta, and his first draft he selected in 2008 Matt Ryan. That's a hit. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just said, hey, man, what difference between picking a quarterback then and and evaluating picking quarterbacks now? Mark, I mean, that's a great question. It's it's I think it's changed. In, in 08, it was a big thing for us. I mean, Mike Smith and I came in after the Michael Vick debacle, and it was big. We needed a quarterback at all levels, not only their talent on the field, but we needed someone who was going to be you know, the right person in the locker room. I mean, you know, you've obviously been around it, how crazy important it is to make sure that that leadership element, team element is so important, as well as the skills on the field, of course. You know, where things are right now, you obviously, the more you see some of these quarterbacks coming out who aren't just, you know, 5'11 or 6 feet moving around like athletes, they're 6'6 plus moving around like athletes. It's a pretty amazing thing to me to see the evolution of the quarterback position. I think it's great for the league. That said, to your point, there are mistakes along the way. And when you look at the statistics and the analysis on it, yeah, a handful of those, there could be two or three that might not work out. And that, that becomes complicated. Visiting with Thomas Dimitrov, what, what kind of advice would you have for George Payton? If you think back to your first year as general manager in 2008, he's getting ready for his first draft he's inherited a coach he's inherited a quarterback as a first-time GM how much are you looking to put a your stamp on the organization or are you willing to maybe take more of a longer view no there's no question you need to put your stamp on it there's no question that that George needs to come in take all that he's learned over the years from Rick Spielman and, and that organization up in Minnesota and, and all of his experiences in the league uh, that said, he's got to have a very important and uh, 
uh, creative way that he's going to mix with, with Vic Fangio. I mean, that relationship is very important. I don't care where you're going with that relationship in the future. When you kick off your time together, you have to believe that it is a strong, strong partnership. You have to be together. You have to lucidly communicate all the time, regularly. You have to talk about, you know, the way the culture is going to be, what the type of players you need exactly. You need to truly know scheme specifically the type of players you need. Otherwise, you're going to be shooting in the dark, and that's not something to kick the, the organization off of the new regime. You know, quick follow-up to that one, Thomas. Mark and I debate this all the time. Uh, do, do you believe you get the quarterback no matter what, that is the first priority, and then build around him? Or are you more of a build-the-roster-up type guy and handle and, 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 and address the quarterback position uh, when it feels right? No, look, I, I really, truly believe that quarterback, you have to build around him. I mean, I, I, I had opportunities to be around Tom Brady, who I think is the best of all time, as, as much as Peyton Manning is, is great. Uh, I do believe that, you know, having been around uh, Tom Brady and then, you know, Matt Ryan, I realize the importance of making sure that you have that quarterback that's going to set the tone, set the tone at all levels. And, and I say this time and again, it's not just setting the tone with the offensive line and the running backs and the receivers. I really believe you need a quarterback that's going to come in and he's going to have the organization. He's going to have the defense as well and the confidence with the team. I like Bill Polian, who I'm a big fan of over the years. Great deal of respect for him. He built around Peyton there in Indianapolis. It's one of the things that I wanted to do when we got to, you know, in Atlanta when we brought in you know, Michael Turner. We brought in uh, Tony Gonzalez. We had Julio Jones in 11. Build around that quarterback. Make sure you have that quarterback that can take you home. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things that that I always have these conversations with people, fans, other guys on the station, is that I think it's I think it's great. I think there's a misnomer here in the National Football League that you know quarterbacks um, erase warts, and I think there's four or five quarterbacks in the league, maybe tops, that actually erase warts. The other the other group of quarterbacks after that expose them, and so there's a real there's a real crazy kind of balance between finding a quarterback and actually building your roster. And I don't have any problem taking a quarterback if you believe that guy fits all those things that you're saying. But I think there's very few that do, and people try to kind of almost throw a square peg in a round hole, if you will. Oh, no, that's a great, it's a great point. And I, and I don't say flippantly, you know, it's all about the quarterback, all about the quarterback, and you can have a whole bunch of midliners around. No question about it, Mark. I think you start with that quarterback and you make sure you know what type of quarterback that is, what type of system, what you're talking about in general. And then I think you get the marquee players, the offensive line, which you know are incredibly important to help that quarterback develop. We haven't even started to talk about the defense because if you don't have a sound defense, and we ran into that in Atlanta. I mean, it's one of the reasons I'm not there right now. We, 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 were, we had some situations where we weren't hitting on some of our players with our system in in Atlanta and obviously Dan Quinn and I are no longer there in that capacity do you have a sense at all of what the Falcons will do they could change the entire direction of this first round at number four oh, there's no question they can and I I'm a, uh, again I'm a big believer in that situation this is a unique situation for for Atlanta, of course, they have Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan can still win. I think if used properly, if uh, uh, appropriate play calling and appropriate offensive scheme is intact there, 
I think he can take it to the to the to the championship game. That said, he can also be a really good mentor over the next two, three years, whatever, to have a you know another quarterback in the wings. And I'm not speaking for anyone there. You guys know this, of course, but you know I know Arthur Blank. He's a visionary, and uh, he's he's got a new general manager there, and Terry Fontenot, and and Arthur Smith. He'll let them make the choice, but in the end, they have to look good and hard at that position. Yeah, there's no question real, about it. Last yeah, one, real, real quick, because uh, here in Denver, we're, we're talking about quarterbacks and the possibility of maybe a team like New England trying to trade up ahead of the Broncos to uh, nab a quarterback. You spent six years in New England. Does trading up in the first round to take a quarterback feel like a Bill Belichick move? You know, I don't. it doesn't feel like it, but we saw what happened in free agency this year. I mean, he's approaching things in a little different way. Again, gentlemen, you know this, to move up from 15 into that 4, 5, 6 area, that, that is a real bear to do. Yeah, and you've done it. You did it years ago going to Julio, Julio Jones and got a lot of criticism for it, but it seems to have worked out. Julio's been a pretty decent player, I should say. Yeah, it's, it was an interesting one. We moved up a lot of spaces. It was an historical one, and, and I remember when John Gruden, you know, was was slamming us on on the uh, <laughs> uh, networks, and we did it. That happens. Yeah, there's no question. Thomas, man, always a pleasure catching up, man. Really appreciate you over the years um, helping me out over uh, my broadcast career. So thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you, buddy. Right back at you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate yep. it. That's Thomas Dimitrov, the longtime general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. I would suspect, Mark, at some point uh, he'll be he'll be a GM again if he wants to be, if he so chooses. Yeah, if he so if he so chooses. You know, my my biggest takeaway is, and and I think we talked about it before we brought him on, is if you love a guy, and I mean you are sold on this guy, and and I think one of the things that. Thomas said that resonates with me, um, and this is something that Brady said to Brady said to me. Playing quarterback, Tom Brady, the the world's greatest American. Yeah, I did. When I say Brady, you just know who I'm talking. I'm not talking about your son, Brady. I never had any doubt. Right, Tom Brady, the world's greatest American, said playing quarterback is not a job; it's a lifestyle. Man, that's deep, right? That is really good. It's it's your you got to be committed to it, and I think. Thomas says, you know, this is is that hey, the physical traits are great, right? You got to have the right physical traits, but the bottom line is, man, you got to you got to you got to be a dude, right? You just I mean, you you're just, you just got to have your clacker's got to be swinging. And you got to be in charge of the organization. And I just think that, that there's so few of those guys. So if you find that guy, I'm 100%. If you think that that guy exists, you move up and you move heaven and earth to get that dude. Yeah, you talk about all that. Well, let me bring up Zach Wilson, for example. Here's a guy born in Draper, Utah, went to BYU, Provo, Utah, never been to the East Coast, and now all of a sudden he's going to step in and be the man in New York in, in and change the culture there? What's the risk of him being overrun by the culture there in New York? So I, I, I just think it's a tall task, and I think what people have been duped, people have taken like that kind of mantra as you got to take a quarterback and you got to build around them. Like Bill Poling, he talked about Bill Poling with Peyton Manning. It's easy when you get Peyton Manning. But what about when you pick Ryan Leaf instead? How did that work out for the Chargers? Same draft class. Some people had Ryan Leaf rated because of his physical traits over Peyton Manning. Split. 
And let me tell you, Leaf had better physical tracers, no question about it. But Manning is, we saw it here in Denver firsthand, Manning's clackers drag on the ground when he doesn't have a jock. Right? right? They're just dragging behind him. So that's what you have to – so my, my whole – my whole point of this conversation is draft a quarterback, any quarterback, as long as he's a top 10 or as long as he's in the first round, is bullshit. It's garbage. And so as long as you know the guy and you're sold on the guy, I'm fine with it. But if it's just a get one just to get one, you guys, your your franchise is garbage. You know, I always like talking to you, Mark, because as somebody who played the game for a long time, you've been around the game for a long time, you bring a real old school approach, but yet you've been around the modern NFL. So I'm always curious when you hear these stories of uh, how teams and coaches deal with today's athletes. So did you hear Nick Sirianni, the new coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, talking about some of the ways he's challenging and testing the competitiveness of his football players during Zoom meetings? Rock, paper, scissors. Let's see how competitive you are. I'm competitive. I'm going to be talking trash to him. Did you talk trash back to me? Right? Because <laughs> um, everyone's compete looks a little different. Like, if I, I get up there, I play them rock, paper, scissors. They got a little more creative than I did at times. So, it was awesome, though, because it did anything you compete at. When you compete with somebody that's competitive, they're going to go at you no matter what, no matter what game you're playing. You know what? And here's the crazy thing. Owners fall for this bullshit. <laughs> Like, like owners, like, like, look at that. Like, I, I get this from owners all the time, and I tell you this all the time, man. Thirty-year-old, you know, offensive gurus who groomed a young quarterback. Those guys are like Viagra to eighty-year-old owners. They can't. I mean, they're stiff as a board, right? And and I, I just, I mean, I look at that like you're going to find out about somebody's competitive nature by playing rock, scissors, paper. Like that's really. That's what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna do. That's how we're gonna. That's how we're gonna go through this thing. All right. I want to. And by the way, did he not sound like Peabody? That like to me. Like, did you hear the part? Did, did you also hear the part about we're gonna have uh, systems and uh, we're gonna know we're gonna have systems in place that are easier to learn. All right, complicated to the defense or offense that they're going against or the special teams group they're going against, but easy for us to learn. Because when we can put that, because we, when we can learn our system and we can get good at our system, then our talent can take over. Less thinking equals talent take over. But we need to have systems in place, and we will have systems in place to do so. All right, so like, uh, um, here's the, uh, the point of the uh, whole exercise is that um, we're going to have some systems in place. And the systems are going to be, uh, they're going to be uh, simple for our players, but <laughs> complex for the defense. And I just like we we hired Peabody, and then when we're not doing systems, we will have a tournament of rock, scissors, paper to just just to discover who's the toughest guy on our football team. Like, really, dude. Like, like, that's that's how we're gonna. Okay, Mark, I hear you. I know you're you're cracking jokes. You're laughing about all this, but what about what about the idea that these are a new age, a new wave of players, and you have to deal with them differently? <laughs> You'd be like, get the fuck out of here with rock, scissors, paper. <laughs> Are you like? Are you kidding me with that bullshit? Well, hey, <laughs> compete this. We're gonna really get after it here. Uh, I know uh, intense game because I want to see if you're a competitor like me. Um, like really, like really, dude. Well, all I can say is, Eagle fans, buckle up because 
you're going to be in for a ride. Put it this way. It's either going to be a spectacular success or a spectacular failure with Sirianni. Oh, dude, but I, I just can't even imagine the eye, the collective eye roll. As soon as you shut off your Zoom meeting, you're like, this dude is our head coach. You, like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding? Like, hey, man, Mike Shanahan, scared, like Mike Shanahan's, you know, a buck 55 and 5'9". You want to talk about scared to death? He'll cut your ass in a heartbeat. All right, here's the point. We got to find out if you're a competitor, so let's play rock, scissors, paper. What's your evaluation process? All right, guys, let's get together as a staff. We want to go over the rock, scissors, paper tournament we just had and uh, see who uh, who showed up to the and really competed their asses off. Hey, for everybody involved with the Stick and Truth podcast, I'm going to end it right there. I'm going to end. I'm going to end it right there. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Superbook. For America's Best Bet, check out Superbook at Superbook.com. Mike, thank you so much. For Scott, for uh, Millennial Ben, I am Mark Schler. Thank you guys for listening.